right. Well, let me also add my welcome, and uh, we're glad you're with us today. We're going to just stay in this place of uh, worship and prayer, and we're going to open up God's Word. I'm going to be in Mark chapter 4, so if you want a Bible or you need a Bible, just put your hand up, and maybe uh, somebody can at the back can just distribute Bibles. Just keep your hand up. I'm going to be in uh, Mark chapter 4. While you're doing that, I just want to say a couple of things about kingdom love. This series is all about bringing the love of Christ the kingdom of God to the people around us. And um, like we were singing this morning, that we'd have God's heart and that he'd lead us in love to those around us. So uh, yesterday, last Sunday, we were praying for Del Stringfield, uh, our oldest saint here in the church. She was 99. She passed away at 9.30 in the morning last Sunday when we were praying for her. And uh, we had her memorial service yesterday. And... Uh, the family uh, were just so blessed uh, by uh, all that happened here. They, they left these flowers uh, in her honor. And, and also, uh, I just want to shout out to uh, Paul Raz, who put together an amazing uh, service of music, and our women, the, the women's ministry here and uh, at, at Madison Place Community Church, uh, spearheaded by Beth Swift, um, by... Um, uh, Barb Leonard, and by Teresa Earhart, who's out front at the Connect Desk, uh, just did a fantastic job uh, welcoming uh, the family and putting on an amazing spread. And the family just said, I, I cannot believe how well you have loved us. So just want to encourage you in that. And also, uh, yesterday, uh, Chef had a feast over at his house at the Belanger's and um, one of the police officers that serves in our lobby periodically came came over and dropped by, and he just uh, said the same thing. He said, uh, "I just have to say, I've never, uh, just I've never been in that building when somebody hasn't said or done something nice for me." So, uh, just encourage you that it's everyday life. It's just being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with Christ and sharing His love with others, and we do that. Over and over again, I want to remind us in this series that it's not sort of a task that we do, which, of course, it is, but it's the, 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 the who we are becoming. We are becoming children of light in the kingdom of light, and God is changing us, and this love of his, he just wants it to ooze out of it. He wants it to happen when... Somebody squeeze you, the love of God comes out of you. That's what he's in the process of doing. So, uh, and finally, prayer is, is changes everything. As we prayed today, I don't know that you experienced this, but the, the kind of prayers we were just praying with Steve and Judy leading us, those are, we were praying God's word. We were praying to him things that he has said he wants to do on the earth. These things these prayers are answered. They're answered. So I encourage you this week, uh, especially on the 4th of July, to take out these prayer guides, uh, get together as a family, and walk through them and read the word and pray the word um, over our communities uh, because we, we will change through our prayers. God will change our communities. And lastly, I just want to remind you about praying for our neighbors. Uh, BlessEveryHome.com is a fantastic website. 
who, who has signed up already on Bless Every Home? Okay, some of you. I just want to encourage all of you uh, to go on that website. You put in your name, your address, the church name, and the church address, and free of charge, uh, they will go through the census data, and they will serve up to you five neighbors every day. If You, you can decide the days you get the emails. Uh, I, I get them Monday to Friday. I get five neighbors each day plus a scripture. And I've been praying over my neighbors. I've been walking through the streets of my neighborhood praying. And God is, God is using that uh, prayer. And there are millions being prayed for in the U.S. now. There are tens of thousands being prayed for in Ohio. And our congregation is praying for six or 700 people right now. And I want to encourage everybody to get in on that. Because that is one of the most loving things we can do. So let me pray. Father, as we dive into your word now, we just want to uh, lift our hearts to you. I want to thank you, Father, for the privilege of worship. Uh, thank you, Father, for the offering that was taken. I ask that you use those funds to multiply your kingdom, however you would like to do that, Lord. I, Father, I thank you for uh, the life of Dell Stringfield among us, and I pray that all of us and her family uh, would be encouraged to walk out a lifestyle of kingdom love uh, as she did among us. And Father, bring us into prayer. We believe that as we pray, the things on uh, that you want to do in heaven are loosed on the earth. They're released on the earth. And we're asking God for a move of your kingdom in this area in our city, and in our nation. In Jesus' name, and the church agreed and said, Amen. All right. Today's kingdom parable, we're going through the parables of the kingdom where Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. And uh, today's parable is called uh, various names, but I'm calling it the growing seed. It's in Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. And what this parable speaks about is it speaks about the latent inner workings of power of the kingdom of God, how the kingdom is designed and how its uh, explosive potential is built into it by God. So let's read the text uh, here. Um, Yeah, let's read it all together. Uh, He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. These are the very words of God. And this short parable is sort of a, an added perspective to the parable of the four soils we did a few weeks ago but it reveals five principles of the kingdom of God. And I'm going to go through those briefly. First of all, we see here that the sower scatters. The sower is anyone who is sharing the word of God. The sower uh, is uh, a mom teaching a child a Bible verse. Uh, The sower uh, is a prayer that we pray of, of the scripture over someone that we have been invited to pray for. Uh, 
The, the sower is anyone who shares the gospel with someone far away from God. Uh, the sower is anyone who shares what God taught them in their quiet time that morning. It might be one verse, and it might be something that you want to share. Um, Any time that we are uh, speaking about God, sharing his word, we are the sowers. And God says uh, here that the sower scatters seed on the ground. This word scatter is really important. It means to release in such a way that you do not have any concern about where it lands. So you are not sowing only to certain people or only in certain situations, but because God's in your heart, because God's got a hold of your life, you're just dealing with the overflow of your heart. You're just speaking about him, which, which reminds us that worship is pretty crucial. Worship is pretty crucial. If we are worshiping on Sunday morning uh, and we're eagerly invested in that worship, the odds are that we're going to want to worship more often. If we worship in our cars, if we worship at home, if we worship in our quiet time, then we're going to develop a language of talking to God about how awesome he is, what he has done for us, uh, his nature, who he is. And we're going to be enthralled with that. And that the odds are that we're going to be more likely to talk about him to somebody else if we have that kind of lifestyle ourselves in the prayer closet or here. So it's, it's an all-day, everyday opportunity that the more we worship, the more likely we are going to be sowing seed because it's going to come out of the overflow of our hearts. But God wants us to scatter, and he does not, he does not specify where to scatter. He actually specifies the opposite. He, the word scatter is release it generously everywhere you go. And we have the tendency that if there's somebody who looks like they're super far away from God, we have a tendency to go, oh, well, that's just going to be a total waste of time. And God is saying, no, I want you to scatter that generously everywhere. And that, that word scatter comes, uh, comes in, in, in the Old Testament as well, in a simil- the, the equivalent Hebrew word. And what it communicates is the generous liberality of God. So in, in Proverbs 11.24, one person gives freely or one person scatters, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. And it's the same thing in the world of the physical and being generous with our assets and our time and our talent and our treasure is the same thing in the spiritual. The more generous we are, the more outward flow we have in our life, uh, the more uh, we are going to come into the wealth, the wealth of the kingdom of God. And if we're not, we're going to come into poverty uh, in, in the kingdom. And likewise, in Psalm 112, verse 9, Uh, the uh, psalmist says they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn or their dignity will be lifted high in honor. So this is the nature of the kingdom, a wildly generous God, uh, a a thoroughly uh, outward focused God, a, a God who wants everyone to hear about his amazing son and all that he has done for us. And so number one is, uh, the sower scatters. Number two is that the seed sprouts. Now, notice in the text here, the farmer has no idea 
what is going on here? What, what makes this happen? But the seed sprouts. We have no idea how a word we shared with somebody several weeks ago could suddenly sprout in their heart. I've had a, a number of times where someone has called me two weeks later and said, what did you tell me? And that had been stirring in there and suddenly popped, you know, came to the, to the front. Um, the seed sprouts because the kingdom is explosive. The kingdom is explosive, and we have no idea when it's going to happen. How many here believe their faith has something to do with a praying grandmother? Okay. And all of a sudden in your life, maybe after she passed away, boom, the seed comes to life. That is the nature of the kingdom. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The kingdom uh, sprouts in unpredictable ways that only God knows, and we certainly don't understand all of the ins and outs as how someone comes into the kingdom. That's not our job. I'm reminded of a friend that I met. Uh, I, I only met him about a month and a half ago. His name is Rick Scher, and uh, 23 years ago, Rick and his wife moved from uh, northern Cincinnati to northern Kentucky, and they moved to start the ministry of Young Life uh, in northern Kentucky. Uh, this couple and their kids uh, had no idea what God was going to do, but 23 years later, which is now, uh, there are 500 kids, high school kids, going to Young Life Camp this summer. 500 of them. Not only that, but over the course of the years, Rick has invested in and raised up dozens and dozens of young college students to come back and minister with him in the high schools, Young Life Leaders. I think we got at least one over here. Yeah, you want to put your hand up, Hunter? All right, there's Hunter over there. The rest of them are actually heading off to Young Life Camp, at least uh, the ones that attend Marymount Church from Highlands High School. And there's a list this long of kids going to that camp for us to pray for. That family, Rick Share, had no idea when this thing was going to pop. And for many years, not much happened. But as he stayed in it and as God continued to work, this thing has blossomed into an unpredictably uh, amazing, fruitful ministry. So I want to stop right now and just pray for Colin uh, and Lindsay and Clay and the rest of the team who normally attend here Sunday morning who are with their kids at Young Life Camp. And uh, let's pray for them together right now. God, uh, you know how the seed sprouts. We don't. But we want to lift up each of these uh, dozens of high school students who are going to Young Life Camp. Uh, Lord, uh, a lot has gone into this. Uh, it's expensive. Uh, money has been raised. People have given money. People have prayed. We are praying. We ask that you would uh, take those students, Lord, and change them any way you want. And that you would call many into a lifestyle, a lifetime of sowing seed and bringing people to know you, Jesus. 
our amazing Savior. And we ask these things in your name. And the church agreed with that prayer and said, Amen. And keep praying for him this week as you think about it. Now, number three, we see that the soil suddenly produces. And uh, the, uh, the leaf comes up and then the grain and so forth. And uh, it's, it, it says there, all by itself. So we have no idea but the prayer, uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Father, the work of the Son in this mix. And uh, out of that soil of that heart, God produces something. The message of the kingdom is amazingly powerful. And the message explodes on the scene of someone's life in unpredictable ways. Mark chapter 4, we looked at this earlier uh, a few weeks ago. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. The soil produces. And then finally, uh, we see here at number four that the sickle is brought for the harvest. Now, inherent in that is that the, the sower, the farmer, us, those of us sharing the word of God, we need to know when the time of the harvest has come. We need to know when the Holy Spirit is on someone and they are ready to make a commitment and are ready to walk with Christ. And that takes discernment that oftentimes is obvious, but many times requires us to know that it's the time to bring them in. And it could be the way we ask the question. It could be the way we pray for them. But we want to introduce them to Jesus. And we want them to know, first and foremost, that when they confess, when they have come into a realization of their sin and they confess that Jesus is setting them free. And it, ha- it happened in the first service. And uh, that woman who came forward just knew that today was her day. To now was the time. The Spirit was on her, and she needed to know that Christ received her, that her sins were forgiven, that she was being cleaned as white as snow, that, that this was the day that she was born again. She needed to know that. She needed to be prayed for, uh, to be encouraged, given a Bible, and all the things that will happen from here forth. But she was ready, and the Lord brought her here today for that particular moment. So we need to know how to help those who respond to God's word. And sometimes the response uh, is surprising and even puts us off. And we need to be ready to recognize, ah, the master is bringing that person home. And so Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We need to be effective harvesters. And that means uh, that we are ready, uh, ready to uh, lead someone through a prayer of salvation and repentance, lead someone through a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit, lead someone to the next step in their spiritual journey. And what Jesus is interested in is not conversions, but he's actually looking for laborers. He's looking for people who will become lifelong laborers in the kingdom. 
Barna says that 93% of American Christians do not share their faith ever. Among the younger generation, almost half believe it's inappropriate to do so. Most of the barriers have to do with fear. They have to do with uh, the, the prevailing narrative that people, you know, think they know Christianity, think they know Jesus. There's all kinds of barriers. Some of those barriers are we don't really know how to do that clearly. But whatever they are, uh, th- those barriers uh, are meant, this is the work of the enemy, meant to just slow us down. What Jesus is looking for is those of us who will become laborers. And then in the harvest, in the harvest, there are people that don't yet know Jesus who will be the leaders of the movement tomorrow. And so the laborers are in the harvest. So, yes, that includes us sending, you know, Martha to Azerbaijan and Dave to Indonesia and David to Nigeria. That includes us sending people to uh, the inner city to work at the Lord's gym and so on. But it also includes us becoming laborers. And it also includes our neighbors or our family members who don't know Christ but who one day will be laborers. It's all packed into this little prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field, lifetime workers. So, the harvest. And then finally, there's a fifth thing I want to draw out of this little parable, in that there's something secret going on behind the scenes, isn't there? There is something powerful happening as the seed is germinating, as it's sprouting, as it's coming up, as the grain is ripening, and the farmer has no clue what's going on. And it's actually independent of the farmer. And it is the power of God. Paul put it this way. He said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. We can talk all day long, but it's God who brings the power where a life is changed, where we are changed where God moves in such a way and that that power uh, is from him and him alone. To illustrate this, I want to tell you a story about a woman I met several years back. Her name was Bindu Chowdhury. She's from the central part of India. Uh, she's married uh, to a man named Victor, and uh, I didn't meet Victor. I just met Bindu. And she told the story of their family and how they had been called by God to plant churches. Now, they were obedient. They were hearing from God. They went. They were Lutherans. They went to their uh, Lutheran church planting headquarters, and they said, the Lord has called us to plant churches. And uh, the Lutheran church planting headquarters told them, We have planted three churches in India this year. We're done. No more planting this year. And they just couldn't believe it. So they prayed, and they started following. What does the Bible say about this? Luke chapter 10, let's go two by two. Let's look for people. So time goes on, and it gets really, really hard for a number of years. But finally, they they plant, they start a, a little church, Uh, And these are mostly churches of 20 to 30 to 40 people, village churches in India. 
and they plant some. Then those churches start getting fired up and they start planting churches. And then those churches start planting churches. And Bindu is telling me that over the course of 20 years or so, they planted 25 generations deep of churches. 25 generations also grew this way, spread out from central India to all uh, a big wide circle around central India. I don't know how far they go. But now they, they've planted 250,000 churches. That's a quarter of a million churches. And in the last 20 years, they've had 8 million baptisms. 8 million baptisms. And, you know, India is 1.3 billion plus people. That's just scratching the surface. And there, there's more going on in India. But I, I wanted to share this story because this woman was a living, breathing testimony to the power of the kingdom of God. Because she will say over and over again, we didn't do anything special. We are not special. We simply obeyed the word. We prayed. And we invited people to follow Christ. And they, they read the Bible. They came to love Christ. And they grew. And, and the rest was frankly, out of their hands. But this movement has been measured by missions experts, and these numbers keep coming back conservative because Bindu and Victor aren't doing it for their glory. They're just obeying. They're just the farmers who scattered the seed as wide as possible, who saw the seed sprout, who saw the crop being produced by the soil, who knew when to get the sickle out, and they trusted that the secret source was at work. And so today, I just want to draw out of this parable one central idea, and that is the kingdom is packed with power and primed for growth. And our job is just to proclaim it generously. Our job is just to proclaim the kingdom of God generously. And I want to take a few minutes before we close today to give you a tool on how to do that. Uh, it's called the three circles tool. It's a very simple way to share the kingdom. Can you um, go forward? Just Yeah, right there. It's a simple way to share the kingdom story. You can Google three circles, Ray Vaughn. You'll get a three-minute video. Review it yourself. Practice on your own. And um, so I've looked at this video a couple of times this past week. I haven't done a lot of extra homework on it. And I'm going to uh, share with you, the three circles tool. I shared this briefly at Easter, if you remember, but so let's say you come uh, to, someone comes to you and they know you love Jesus and they want prayer. Let's say they're sick or something. So you pray for them. Uh, Then you might want to say something, after praying for them, you might want to say something like, well, tell me something. Would you consider yourself you know, far from God or close to God. Like, tell me your spiritual story. And then listen. And then maybe as you listen and pick up different parts of the story, you can say something like, hey, recently I've come across a picture that's really helped me understand the kingdom of God and what, what helped me get close, closer to God. So it starts like this. Here's the first part of the picture. And the picture is going to be three circles, right? So here's the first circle. And this is our current world. And if we're honest, 
and as we just finished praying, the current world is filled with brokenness. It's filled with uh, broken relationships, broken marriages, broken bodies through addiction, broken uh, uh, emotional patterns, all kinds of brokenness. The, 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 thing is, the thing is cracked. The world around us is cracked. And if we're honest, we are too. And I, I sense the brokenness in my life on a number of different levels when I am feeling that I, when I recognize that I've been proud, when I recognize that I've been impatient with my wife, when I recognize that my knees and feet hurt and it's just like the effects of my body starting to fall apart. So here is brokenness. People can relate to that. But then we say, but that's not the way it was supposed to be. Because God over here gave us a perfect kingdom. That's the story of Genesis 1, 2, and 3. But the kingdom is perfect. And the reason that this did not last and this is what we have going for us right now, is sin. Our sin and the sin of our forefathers. Sin simply being any time we do something opposed to what God would have us do. Any time. And so sin has brought us into this thing of brokenness. And we try to get out of the brokenness in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we escape with our nice house or our nice car. Or sometimes we put family in front of God. That's a way to escape. Or sometimes it's drugs. And sometimes it's sex that shouldn't be happening outside of marriage. Whatever. All kinds of strategies to medicate the fact that things are broken. But God did not leave it like that. And he did something about it. And he sent Jesus. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. And then uh, in the process of that perfect life was killed on the cross for our sin. And the way it works is Jesus was God. Jesus was perfect, and Jesus launched his kingdom by coming to earth, by dying on a cross, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. And his death and his shed blood allows people who are stuck in brokenness to be released from that and to be able to experience God's perfect kingdom. And the way that works is that we simply, first of all, we have to recognize where are we? Am I over here today or am I over here today? If we're honest, we're over here. And the way to receive what Jesus has done is two words. Turn and trust. Turn from our strategies, our our ways of doing things, our sin and our brokenness, 
towards Jesus and trust that all that he has done for us is sufficient for all we need. All we need. And we do that by faith. And when we turn or repent and when we trust or believe, we now have access to God's perfect kingdom. And as we have access to God's perfect kingdom, Jesus invites us to do two things. Number one is to grow, to begin to experience the transformation of our brokenness back into God's perfect kingdom designed for us. And the second thing Jesus asks us to do is to go back into the brokenness to bring the story and the, the blessing that God has brought to us from Jesus to others. And that is the three circles and the way to have that conversation. You can see you can stop anytime. It's interactive. People can ask questions. And that allows us in a very simple, non-religious way to simply talk about who Jesus is, what the kingdom of God's all about, and how to enter in and how to flourish in the kingdom. And that took about three and a half minutes. So uh, you can find this online. You can track through it yourself. You'll even see that I do it a little bit differently than the guy online. Do it yourself. Do it in your own words. Do it in your own language. Uh, and make, make it uh, a tool that you have in your toolkit. So over the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so before we close today... We're going to have a ministry time to talk to God about these things, this parable and this, this opportunity we have to bring the kingdom to others. And, and here's how I want to break that down. First of all, there may be somebody here today that's been aware of Jesus, that's been aware of the kingdom of God, but hasn't put it all together. And this diagram, in some crazy way, is making sense to you for the first time, crystal clear. If that's you, I'm going to stand up front here and you can come and you can give your life to Christ today. You can turn and trust and you can do that today. We'll pray for you. We'll get you going on your journey to follow Jesus. Now, maybe you're here today and you have been struggling with bringing this good news to other people, either because of fear or because you've lacked boldness. So we're going to ask uh, you, if that's you, to turn from that fear and to trust Jesus to give you boldness. And our prayer teams are going to pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit in power to have the boldness that you need, that God, only God can give you, and that you will go from this day forth in that power. And then thirdly, there may be somebody here who just uh, is having a rough day. And you need healing. You just need a touch from God. Well, the prayer teams are going to be here, and, uh, and uh, they're going to be ready to pray for you. And um, we're going to do uh, that ministry time. Uh, and uh, as God speaks to you, just come, receive prayer. He wants to give you all that you need, all that you need uh, to bring kingdom love into your, your community, your people your neighbors, your co-workers. And um, we're just going to ask Jesus to do that for us. And then uh, we're going to be worshiping while we do that. And then when we close the service, 
I'm going to come back and we will uh, give you, uh, we'll have a sending blessing by praying some scripture over each other. Make sense? All right, Father, this is your time. We are here. We are available. We trust that you have all that we need. So now, Father, we open this time to you to have your way with us, however you want to work now. And Lord, uh, we love you and we thank you for coming. We thank you for coming and we thank you for promising to come back. So take this time, Lord, and be exalted in the praise of your people.